You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. I'm going to uh, ask a dear, dear friend of mine and a ministry leader here at our church to come and join me for the first part of this message. So would you please give an Elevation Community Church welcome to Tiffany Wiss. Come on. We all love Tiffany. Jeff, uh, hit or miss, but we all love Tiffany, right? Um, last week, we're in this series of of toxic. I know it's a long series. You're wondering when we're going to be done. Well, I wonder when toxicity is going to be done in the church, right? So we just need to continue plowing and uh, teaching this, and I'm sure we'll revisit this uh, from time to time. Um, last week, we looked at Jesus's guidelines for resolving conflict. We looked at what it looks like, and we're going to walk through that in a moment. And uh, this week, we said we want to give you some practicals of how do you take Jesus's words and guidelines and how is it lived out? How does this work and how is it applied in my own life? Again, you may have conflict in relationships in your marriage. You may have conflict uh, with your children. Um, Obviously, there's no parents here that have conflict with their children, right? Okay, Uh, you may have conflict with family members, coworkers, you name it. Um, Conflict is always present. Uh, But Jesus says, be of good cheer for I've overcome the world and he's given us a pathway to have unity. So I've asked Tiffany to come up here and and just kind of share with you what we call a testimony where we saw God work through uh, the very tough season that we had. Uh, Tiffany and I met in 2008 because her brother Craig um, started a church plant in Mainville called Northbridge Fellowship. We celebrated 10 years just about a month ago, and we shared that background history. Uh, Tiffany is the daughter of uh, Bob and Leona. We call him Janitor Bob. And uh, um, I came on in leadership in 2008, and uh, Tiffany was on our worship team. She was, uh, you may know her as a kids director or t- uh, uh, youth director. She is an incredible worshiper. And uh, we had a lot in common from theater and musical theater and drama, shall we say. And um, uh, we became brother and sister right away. And, uh, and uh, she's just been a great friend. Her and Lauren have been great friends and our families connect so well. And then Craig uh, moved on to plan other churches and we just experienced transition in our staff. It was a new position for me being the boss uh, I, I had some experience with it, but not a whole lot. So I had to learn. And sadly, a lot was through mistakes. And Tiffany had a new position in our, our working relationship. And as a staff, it all changed. And so we had to work through that. And so about two years ago, we hit a wall of conflict. And we tried the communication route that Jesus gave to us. And lo and behold, the story has a very good ending but it was a very long, uh, difficult road ahead. And so we followed what we find in Matthew 18, is number one, we went to each other. The problem, and we'll share in a moment, we didn't go to each other soon enough to where there was a really thick spiritual wall of conflict that we didn't even realize was there. You know, an iceberg, it's like you only see about 10% of it, and then the 90% is down there right below the surface. And so when we 
had conflict that we didn't realize. We thought it was the only conflict and we tried processing that. You get two emotionally charged, verbally pro- verbal processors in the same room to handle conflict. Oh, come on, you know what I'm talking about. To handle conflict, we really, really struggled. And so it started to blow out of proportion. And so we did what the Bible says. We got some, um, some friends, some spiritual support that uh, could kind of see both, uh, both sides and try to lead us to reconciliation. Well, that didn't work. So we did it again. That didn't work. And so we did what Jesus told us to do is get the elders involved. And so we got the elders involved and it wasn't until then where we began to be guided by a specific elder um, who really walked us through a way of communicating and being able to hear each other's heart and to really start to address the wall that was between us. And so that's kind of the process of what uh, we went through. And so, Tiff, if you want to share um, a little bit on that. Hi, everybody. <laughs> this is vulnerable for us, by the way. <laughs> this is really vulnerable because normally in churches, staff and leaders, they just don't share this kind of stuff. But we want to be real and we want to be authentic and we want to let you know that you're not the only ones dealing with conflict in the church. It is happening in leadership and staff. And if we can learn, to resolve conflict the way Jesus tells us, our church will thrive, right? So go ahead. Yeah, so this is totally out of my comfort zone, but um, I know that I'm supposed to share this with you guys today, so that's why I'm here out of my comfort zone with all of you, so have a little grace for me this morning. But um, yeah, like Phil just talked about, we did, we experienced conflict and, The other day, I was at a doctor's appointment, and I looked at the sign on the wall, and it said, communicate, build bridges, not walls. And I just kind of laughed to myself, because I'm like, oh, God, you're funny to let me see that right now before I get up here. But that's exactly what happened, is I built a wall. And um, what I want you guys to understand is, it's not like one day that wall just was there. What happened was, and I like to call it short accounts, that I wasn't keeping short accounts. And by that, what I mean is there would just be little tiny things. You know, when you work with someone and you're around, especially when you're in ministry, there'd be little tiny one thing said here, one thing said there that I would kind of be like, huh. And then there'd be, um, you know, like Phil said last week, maybe a text, and it's easy to interpret text wrong. So, or listening to other voices or things like that. And what happened was instead of going to Phil and saying, you know, this, I don't know, maybe it was me, I took it this way and it just didn't seem right. Instead of doing that and addressing it, what I would say to myself is, that bothered me, I'm upset, but I I don't wanna make a big deal out of it. And we we do this, don't we? I don't wanna make a big deal out of it. I don't wanna seem high maintenance. So what I would do is I just push it under the rug, just push it under the rug and go on. And therefore what happened was the enemy, the enemy knew what he was doing and he was twisting my thoughts. He was making me blind to what was going on and he was building a wall. He was just building a wall in my heart. And before I knew it, there was just this huge wall between us. And with that, I was building a case. I was building like the best case against Phil. 
I was really good at it, actually. Like I always say, I probably would have been a really good lawyer. Um, but I had a great case. And nowhere in that case was I looking at myself. And that's what the problem was. And that's when we have conflict. It is so hard for us to look at ourselves. You know, we just want to look at the other person and say, well, here's all the things that you did wrong. And, you know, and I don't know where all of you are today, but I want to guess that everybody here is probably in a conflict with someone. I mean, raise your hand if you've ever had a conflict with your boss in this room. Yeah. Uh, liar, 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 liar. If your hand's not up, it's because you've never maybe worked a job yet. Raise your <laughs> no. hand if you're a boss and you've ever had a conflict with an employee, right? I mean, it happens, yes. So, but what I have found is in a conflict, and like I said, I don't know what you're all facing, and I understand that conflicts are painful, and some of you are going through a really hard conflict right now, but if you want to get past this conflict, you have to look in, internally, you have to look inside and say, where am I to blame? Because I guarantee, no matter what that other person did to you, you can find maybe 5% that you're at fault. Yes, not more. There's more. always something that we're at fault. But what I had done, I built a case against him. It was a great case. I didn't see any fault in myself at all. I pride, the wall of pride just grew. And it got to where the enemy just had me completely blinded. And not only was it hard because our work relationship, as you can imagine, it was very uncomfortable, to be honest, and wasn't good. It was awkward, yeah. Awkward. But not only that, but I couldn't hear from the Holy Spirit anymore. Because what happens is the enemy loves it. He loves it when we have conflict. Because then pride creeps in, and all we can think about is, you know, what the other person did wrong, and then yeah. we can't hear from the Holy Spirit anymore. Yeah. So I wasn't hearing from the Holy Spirit, and I was sick. I mean, I look back at that time in my life, and I mean, I was just sick. I just didn't feel good. And awesome. it just got to the point that I had no trust in him. And I couldn't hear from my father in heaven. And nothing in my life was working. And I mean, it was almost like I was trying to swim through like really murky water, like a pond or something, you know. And, and I just, like nothing in my life was working right. Like everything was blind. So, yeah, it was just not, it wasn't fun. Yeah. So, those were some barriers. And, um, you know, for me, trying as a new leader, uh, trying to navigate through this, I could only stay, see through my lens. And so, I perceived it as she has something against me and I'm being disrespected. And I don't know what to do and how to fix it. And uh, different, you know, feedback in the world will tell you, well, if you don't know how to fix it with your employees, then you kind of wash your hands of it and move on. The Lord was saying, absolutely not. This is, this is not his plan. And so we had to uh, continue to work through this. I mean, my defensive spirit was so strong because I was defending, you know, my intent to keep unity. And in that, in doing so, I was uh, buying into the spirit of pride. And um, so those were some barriers. Here's some lessons that we learned before we get to the breakthrough, the really good part where God shows up and saves the day, right? 
And um, uh, the three things that Tiffany alluded to that I really just want to make sure that you understand, these are three absolute requirements to restoring or resolving conflict God's way. Number one is humility. You have to be humble enough, meaning that you lower yourself, like you, were, um, you said in the first service. You humble yourself so God can exalt you. We tend to just exalt ourselves, right? The whole feel or the whole theme of conflict in our culture is to win the argument, is to be right. Humbling yourself is you're no longer fighting to win. You're fighting to serve and to understand. You're, you're fighting no longer to win an argument or to be right, but to serve and to understand. Second is to look inward like Tiffany was saying. This is something that would have saved us a lot, I think, of time, energy, uh, and whatnot. Uh, just to look inward, look in the mirror. Uh, we have an incredible set of leaders and elders who really helped us along this process. We're very patient and gracious with us. The third one is this that I think leads us to the breakthrough moment because we were uh, at, at basically this is going to work or it's not going to work. This was one of those meetings, come to Jesus meeting. Like we're either taking our gloves off and we're surrendering or we're tightening and strapping the gloves on and it's not gonna end pretty. And I, I don't say that literally, by the way, okay? Um, and so we both in our own ways during the meeting before giving up and understanding this isn't working, we both in our own ways cried out and said, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you have to move. You have to move to have your way or this is not gonna work out. The Holy Spirit is the only way conflict can be resolved properly. And so Tiff, do you wanna share a yeah, little bit on yeah. that? So, you know, like Phil just said, we got to the point we had, we had gone through all the steps, tried to, to communicate with each other, not working, tried to bring in some people, not did not work, work. <laughs> tried it a couple times, did not work. So we, like he said, we were kind of in this like final, bring in an elder, try to make this work. And um, I remember the beginning of that meeting, it was not going well. Um, we were still pointing fingers and accusations. I had my case yeah. and I was, you know, doing my lawyer thing and it just was not working right. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had a moment and I'll never forget the moment because I was kind of ready just to give up. I was kind of done. So I prayed to myself and I just said, okay, God, if you want me to stay, like if you want to work this out, something's got to happen right now. And I mean, I literally, I remember like kind of getting my stuff together to like leave. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, Tiffany, listen to him. And I remember at that moment, I, I listened as he shared, a, I don't even remember what it was. How I felt. About how he something. felt, yeah. And I actually didn't listen to respond. I just listened. And the Holy Spirit just totally, it was like scales dropped from my eyes. And I stopped pointing the finger at him and I started to hear his heart. And then I started to look at myself and what I had done wrong. 
And it was just, you guys, I can't even, I tried to put words, but I can't because it was instant healing. You know, I've always, I've heard of people who have experienced healing, you know, where the Holy Spirit has healed people of cancer or all these different things. And I've always thought, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine that. But I experienced that because it was a healing because not only did the Holy Spirit come through and heal what had happened, but he healed me. Like all that, that wall that I had built just came crashing down like in an instant and the Holy Spirit just swept through me and he healed it. And I'm not going to say that it was just, you know, that everything's perfect and we've never had, I mean, we work together. So yeah, we still, you know, we have to be cautious and we, we still have to at times work through things. Everything's we had a, not perfect a six now. month process to where we just, yeah. we continued to just check everything okay. Or, hey, I hope you didn't take that wrong in the staff meeting or did I come across wrong? I know it sounds silly, but that is what really helped us to trust one another's hearts again. And we all as a staff team went through this together. So, um, but I mean, overall, just looking back at the whole experience, and I think there's a scripture if you guys can pull it up. And I just want to focus on the, the last little bit there in 2 Corinthians where it says, Take every thought captive to obey Christ. And looking back, when it was all said and done and it was over, when I looked back, what had happened was the enemy, he wanted, he wanted to divide. And the enemy wants to cause division. And you guys, please pray. Pray for us as staff because for Phil and I and for Brent and Michael, because the enemy and the elders, elders, he's going to come after us. He wants to cause division because if he can divide us, he's going to divide the church. So please, like, we cherish your prayers. Um, And this is part of the reason why we're sharing, too, to give God glory, but to also uh, kick Satan in the face. So yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's how we do it. But what I've learned is when you have a thought and the enemy, he's so good and he'll just give you like, you know, just a thought, just a man, who does he think he is? Or, you know, just a thought, take those thoughts captive and send them back to the pit of hell because Satan isn't going to win because we have Christ and take every thought captive and obey Christ. And what I learned was, and you guys, I'm still, I'm still learning. I mean, I have the most amazing husband in the world, but I still struggle with this constantly that I have to humble myself. I have to humble myself. I have to look inward, any conflict. What did I, you know, and this still not easy for me, but what did I do wrong? I'm not perfect. Um, and I got to cry out to the Holy Spirit to help because we can't do it on our own. So, yeah, that was pretty much the main thing of what it was. But um, I'm just so thankful that at the time, I did not like going through it. It was terrible. It was probably one of the hardest seasons of my life, to be honest with you. Um, But now I'm just so thankful for it because I've been able to see God restore our friendship and to see our families, Lauren's my sis, and just to see that restoration and just to see how God um, is working. It made it all worth it. And that's why, even though this was hard, I wanted to share my heart with you guys this morning because I hope it can bless one of you in an area of conflict in your life. And uh, I can honestly say, um, I don't think I've seen someone that I've known 
change so much over such a short amount of time than Tiffany. When the Holy Spirit started to grab a hold and she pressed in, that's when God moved and she is different today because allowing the Holy Spirit to move. Just so you know, if you have a teen that's in AIM, her pressing into the Holy Spirit has made all the difference, both of us, of course, in conflict of not giving up. We would not have AIM today if one of us gave up on the conflict. Uh, it is different because we are male and female here. Uh, in, in, in a corporate world, that may look different for you. In ministry, we had to address it because ministry, we're a family. You live life together. It's not just about the boss and the employees. It's about the family. And so that's why we had to address it. But I tell you, God refined us. He took us into a dark room to where we could see the negatives in our life and start to develop as people. I'm a leader today that I am today, healthy, whole, confident in what God's doing because of what God has done through this. And so God is so good, it's just conflict is so hard. (laughs) But when you put the two together and you lay it in the hands of God, he can do incredible, incredible things. So can you give it up for Tiff, please? Thanks, Tiff. So the goal today, and uh, I'm gonna gonna alter the message because uh, we did not want to alter or condense the testimony because I think hopefully if you're not in conflict now, you will be able to remember that and you'll be able to remember that scripture which could you put that back up in Second um, uh, Corinthians ten uh, five? It says this. It says, "What I love about this is we destroy arguments. Conflict is about arguments, right? It's disagreements, not seeing eye to eye. Well, if you really want to win an argument, the answer is destroying the argument. Destroy it." We want to be right, right? We want to be validated. And we want the other person to understand how wrong they were. This is very countercultural. It's because God's kingdom is not like the worldly kingdom. We destroy arguments. You see, when arguments are not resolved God's way, you get strongholds. Tiffany and I, through a process of refining, we had to realize that we had generational strongholds in how we handle conflict. And God was able to refine us and walk us through that. But we destroy arguments by taking every thought captive. We literally capture it and give it to Jesus and allow that to filter through the filter of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God's word. And so I want to give you a scripture that will help you address and approach any conflict you have. And then I want to leave you with a communication tool that has changed my life. It allowed us at the very end with Tiffany to resolve conflict in a way that's pleasing to God. Uh, My wife and I, we uh, incorporate this 
into our marriage and you can take it into your relationships, your parenting, even your work. And so we'll end with that. But first, let's look at Philippians chapter two. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? He is writing a church that is in conflict. They're gossiping, they're backstabbing, they're betraying, they're they're spreading rumors, they're not getting along. And he says, is there any comfort from his love? He says, any fellowship together in the spirit, which wasn't happening in the midst of this church, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me, the apostle Paul says, truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. It's almost impossible today to agree with everybody. And I think Paul's kind of saying here, not just agree, but to understand each other. You may not agree on everything, but if you can start to understand and accept each other, you can walk together in unity. Working together with one mind and purpose, don't be selfish. The moment you think you're not being selfish, you might need to look in the mirror again and double check. Don't try to impress others, but be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves, we do not do that well. We have to literally reprogram our system. Don't look out only for your own interests. It means don't just try to be right. Don't come in with guns loaded. Leave them at home. Come to reconcile, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. And then it goes on further. You can read it later about the attitude or the mindset Christ had and what led him to humble himself, empty himself, pour himself out and become obedient even to the point of death on a cross. That is the mindset we are to have. In addressing conflict, the motive of your heart is essential. The motive of your heart is essential. You need to ask yourselves, am I led by the Holy Spirit as I'm approaching this conflict? Have I looked inward? Am I humble? And am I depending on the Holy Spirit? Or do I have my own ideas, my own case of accusations, and my own motives? You really need to ask that before you approach resolving conflict. So I wanna give you an effective communication tool. And honestly, we don't have time to really dive into each part of it. And now I'm even thinking about, I had feedback from the first service of maybe doing an extra class or even a YouTube video on each of it and breaking them down so that you can take this home with you and start to practice and utilize it. This effective communication tool is called the awareness wheel. Can you say the awareness wheel? The awareness wheel. Now everybody, the awareness wheel. Now before you check out on me and you think this is silly and cheesy, I wanna ask you, and I mean this from a sincere place of my heart, is what you're doing working? Because if you think this is cheesy and silly and a waste of time, 
I hope you have something that is working for you. This is so important because communication today has been misinterpreted, miscommunicated, and misused. Conflict is rarely resolved in a way that honors God these days. And I believe this tool can be backed up scripturally in many places. And so I just want to give the bare bones to this tool so that you can start to apply it and use it. So the first thing is awareness and understanding. The whole purpose of this wheel is not to win the argument. The whole purpose of this wheel is to understand each other. It is not about winning. It is not about being right. It is about understanding each other. Because when you start to understand each other, things start to melt away and you actually see your part. You see, sometimes it wasn't the big of a deal that we made it to be. And so it's perspective, awareness and understanding. We have to understand that this is absolutely countercultural. This is not how most businesses operate. This is not how most families operate. This is absolutely not how most marriages in our world operate. And so we have to fight the tendency to resist communicating God's way. We have to retrain ourselves and reprogram the way we handle conflict. Many of you can go back to your childhood and you can now see the fruit of how you handle conflict all the way from your childhood experiences. The last thing of this awareness wheel is it requires both parties to lay down pride, defensiveness, and the need to be right. By the way, pride is the big root to being defensive and the need to be right. So if you're gonna tackle any of those three, go after pride and you may get the other two giants. You have to be willing to sacrifice and lay those needs down in order to understand. If you want to win the argument, you pick them up. And then you feel discouraged because you will never win that way. So I wanna look at the awareness wheel, but I do wanna make three quick generalizations, and I, I mean quick. And when I say generalizations, that means don't be offended if you don't fit. I'm just making a very broad statement that may not fit you, okay? That's okay, then just kind of put it on a shelf for a rainy day. But I think this will fit the majority of people in these categories. Let's start with men. A lot of men are really struggling with looking at the screen right now. We don't process emotion well. Sometimes men even think they don't have emotion and that is a lie because God is a God of emotion, but because of our culture and the pressures on men to be manly men and not show emotion has really broken and, and, and paralyzed men today. So if we're gonna blame anybody for the problem of men not identifying emotion and processing well, we can blame Adam and Eve because from the sin we exchange the truth of God for a lie and we sinned. We have this broken mentality where men 
often resort to pride and don't want to humble themselves to acknowledge that they have feelings, let alone process someone's feelings for hours, right? Maybe it's just me. Here's the reason. is we have a mindset, we have adopted a mindset where we don't need help. We've adopted it along the road and culture has affirmed it. Don't ask for directions, right? And if something's broken, don't ask for help, you can fix it. And if you don't know how to fix it, you better figure it out. And so, ladies, you need to understand that men are just, they have a difficult time with number one, identifying emotions and feelings. And number two, we have a difficult time processing emotion just because we don't, that's not something we just naturally gravitate to. This is a generalization. But men, let me speak to your heart here. Do not use that inability or lack of experience in identifying your emotions and processing emotion as an excuse to justify not resolving conflict. It's not an excuse. It's just a barrier that you need to embrace in a way that honors God. Women, now I've asked my wife and she says it's okay that I'm pretty accurate here. This is a generalization. So if it's not you ladies, I'll duck, okay? <laughs> ladies, from what I see and hear and what my wife has affirmed, tend to allow feelings to unravel very quickly. Now, feelings aren't right or wrong. It's what we do with them is right or wrong. And women tend to take emotion out of context sometimes and quickly unravel. And when that unraveling happens, they have to talk to somebody. They have to verbally process it and get it out. The sad thing is so often they get it out on social media and they go to other lady groups and lady friends, even small groups in the church, and they complain about their husband or the man that they're in a relationship with. And so, so quickly they take an emotion and a feeling and it quickly unravels into a mess and a big hole that they've dug. And that often becomes a challenge for ladies where men, men's challenge is actually addressing emotion and not just brushing it off. And then we come to the category of married spouses. What we see so often in unhealthy marriages is men and women often vent and complain about their spouses at the workplace and when with their buddies and with their ladies. They complain about how he doesn't do a lick around the house and he just sits and he, he controls the remote and he tells the kids what to do and he does nothing. And she's talking negatively about the husband and, and the husband is out with the guys and says, she just nags, nags, nags and talks, talks, talks. We get in nowhere and she wants this and she wants this. How is that helping unity in your home? Right? I mean, it really breaks me when I hear men just literally body, verbally body slamming their wives. What? You know what made me so happy? There's a couple in this room that got married about a year ago. And you know what he says? I can't wait to get home to my wife. I miss her after 15 minutes. Yeah, the honeymoon stage, I get it, I get it, I get it. 
But you know what? Lauren and I have been married for 17 years. And we always had friends when we got married. They said, just give it to me. We'd hold hands all the time. They said, yeah, check out in five years. You won't be holding hands. We still do. And I can honestly say this, not boasting in us, but because we got the support and the help we needed and we surrendered to Christ as the center of our marriage, Lauren never speaks negative about me to anyone. And I don't speak negative of Lauren to anyone. If you ever hear me doing that, you put me in place. But I don't think you will. Because we honor one another. Yes, we have differences. Yes, I have quirks that drive her absolutely insane. She doesn't, she's perfect. But we always edify and build up one another so that we can come home and say, hey, babe, rather than, (laughs) you don't know what I was talking about you today, right? So these are generalizations that I just want to pop that bubble today to say that conflict resolution in a way that honors God is possible, but you have to fight for it. You have to become humble. You have to look inward and you have to have the Holy Spirit living and breathing in and through you or else it's not gonna happen. So let's look at the awareness wheel. Now, listen, I'm gonna go fast so you can try to take notes, but I will try to resource you in the coming weeks. Number one is facts. Once you address the issue, by the way, you don't just have this conversation in the car or when you're at the cinema looking at the previews before the movie starts. This is a conversation that you say, honey, or friend, or coworker, or Tiff, we need to have an awareness wheel conversation. We need need to have a serious talk. That means both of you are now saying, okay, We need to come prepared with our heart. We have to come prepared with our hearts right and humbled to listen. Because the purpose of the awareness wheel is to listen and understand. The facts, what are the facts? The facts can't be disputed necessarily. The facts are what really happened. This was said, this was done, and this was done, and this happened. You gotta get to a place where you hopefully can agree on the facts. We're not talking about what you feel about the facts. We're not talking about what you perceive happened. It's what happened. That is so, so, so important. The next category is really dicey, but it's so important, and it's feelings. Feelings. They're not right or wrong. What you do with them can be right or wrong. And friends, with your feelings, oftentimes when you catch them and you're able to capture them, like the Bible says, they're indicators of what's going on inside of you. They're the dashboard to say you need to check your oil. You're feeling not heard. You're feeling lonely. You're feeling discouraged. You're feeling frustrated. That's an indicator saying something's not right, okay? Now, I wanna pop another bubble, a myth. Feelings are not thoughts. 
feelings are not statements of belief. Feelings are feelings, okay? When you say, I feel, you're not gonna say, I feel like you never do anything around the house. That's a thought. That's a believed statement. It is not a feeling. A feeling would be, I feel left alone doing all the chores. I feel discouraged because I feel like I'm doing a lot. I feel frustrated when you're sitting there watching me push the vacuum. I feel frustrated that you don't tell me the plans that are happening until they happen, right? Your feelings are so valid, but here's the thing. We just throw out words of feelings. I may be mad, but then I say, I am absolutely outraged. What does that tell the person I'm in conflict with? Something is horribly wrong. So our words of feelings are so important. So I'm gonna throw up a chart here and we have handouts at the back welcome center that you can take. I really encourage you to take a copy, put it in your Bible, put it in your car, whatever you need. We have one of these on our fridge so that when we are working through with maybe a conflict or even working through with our kids, this is perfect with kids, by the way. They're really upset but they may just be a little discouraged about something, but to them, it seems like they're overwhelmingly distraught. And so it's so important up at the top is a little intensity, just a little. You're still like uh, for mad, you're bothered, right? But when you tell someone you're bothered, that's a lot different than you're saying enraged and explosive. We need to understand that words have weight they have intensity and they have value. And so it's so important, especially if you're introverted. Lauren's introverted and she is a thinker. She analyzes things, but she is a slow reactor. Any slow reactors in this, this, this sanctuary? Absolutely, there's only a couple because they're still thinking about it. Their hand will go up in just a minute, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so she needs words in front of her to be able to say, my mind's a blur, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really worn out and it, it, it just feels like I'm getting discouraged, okay? So this is so important to understand that your words carry not only wo- uh, weight, but they carry clarity to what you're feeling. I really encourage you to do this before you get into the awareness wheel conversation so that you can kind of be prepared to take that person through the feelings. So let's go then from feelings come imagine thoughts. Imagine thoughts. What that means is it's usually our interpretation of our feelings, interpreting our feelings because we don't deal with it or we don't go to the source right away. So because I'm feeling uh, rejected, now my imagined thoughts is they want nothing to do with me. My imagined thoughts is I'm not lovable. My imagined thoughts is that person's not personable. So we take our feelings and we interpret it And often it lands in the imagined thought category, meaning that it's just in your head. It's not true what's going on at all. And that's why we need to process it and allow the other person to give clarity to that. 
Then we go to the next category once we acknowledge the facts and the feelings and the imagined thoughts. Now we go to the needs. What do you need when conflict arises like this again? What did you need in the conflict or the situation that didn't happen that caused you to be in the place where you are now? What do you need? For me, I need Lauren's attention. I need to know that she is hearing me. I need to sometimes know if she has a problem with me and I've done something wrong so that I don't take it as an accusation. I need her just to touch me or hold my hand or to prep me and say, honey, I really need to talk to you. I don't want you to get upset and I don't want you to take this out of context, right? Some of you need a heads up in a form of a letter or hey, we're gonna schedule a talk in two weeks or we're gonna schedule a talk tonight at seven o'clock. They need a heads up. It depends on the person of different needs that they have of what is going to serve them best in dealing with conflict. Once those four steps can be really kind of completed and both are feeling really good about it so far, then you go to next steps. How do we avoid this? How do we prevent this? And how do we take steps to restoring our relationship and our trust, okay? So I want to end with a few more things. Rules of engagement. This is really important because if you just take the wheel and you try to get get going, someone's gonna get offended. They're gonna try to interrupt you. The person doesn't know who's speaking or listening and there's chaos and it just explodes and emotions get charged and vomits all over the place, right? Someone is going to get hurt. And so number one is when you're having this scheduled or intentional conversation, only one person is talking. I would encourage, maybe you have a, a kitchen, uh, what are those, the whisk, the beaters thing, uh, or a spatula, or something that you can hold. I know it sounds silly, but the speaker, the one speaking, is holding the microphone. The person who does not have the object does not open their mouth. They listen. They listen. Now, at the end of each category, once the person with the object has been sharing their heart, or not, I know some people don't like the word sharing, telling the facts and telling where they're coming from, talking about their feelings. Once each category is done, the listener can then clarify after each category. So what I hear you saying is that you were discouraged, not enraged, is that correct? Or you're saying you were enraged, but are you, are you, are you saying that it's that intense? And that person can say yes or no and you clarify, and then you let the person have the object back so that they can talk. The person listening cannot interrupt, cannot fight it. If they interrupt, the person speaking just, hey, I got the microphone, I'm speaking, okay, sorry. Take notes, write your thoughts down. We'll talk about that in just a quick second. Once the person speaking has completed their way through steps one through four, and the person listening can clarify at the end of each category, Sounds like a game rule, doesn't it? I think it can be. Uh, the person listening processes through to confirm that they heard and understand correctly. Now the person listening is now speaking. Goes through the facts, the feelings, the imagined thoughts, and the needs. 
not to justify, not to defend, but to apologize for their part in it and to, un- to, to, to confirm that they have understood the person's heart. Not agreed, understood, okay? Then you can go to the next steps. I wanna give a couple bullet points for those who are speaking and listening because this is important when you try to handle a conflict. Number one is the person speaking with the object. Don't give accusational words. Use I words, not you did this to me. You were a bum, 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 bum to me, right? It was I feel. I feel. I feel this way. I am angered. I'm angry. When you said this, I know you say you, but you're not saying you said this to me and da, da, da. It's when this was said, it made me feel discouraged and distraught and rejected. And I'm able to then unfold that of why I feel that way. The next thing is, it's not about being right or wrong, but being willing to look inward before addressing the conflict. What part did I have to play? The next thing, I'm going fast. I I apologize, I'm blitzing through, but we don't have time. Avoid all accusation and fault finding. It's gotta go. It's not scriptural. It's not biblical. It's not honoring to Jesus. You gotta throw it on the waste pile in your backyard. It's gotta go. Avoid all accusation of fault finding. Identify your feeling words on the chart. You're not a feeling person, it's okay. It's not about you. It's about the other person understanding you. Okay? Now, when you're listening, the person listening, this is huge. This will change your life. It changed mine. Listen to hear the person's heart. We listen to respond, don't we? I'm listening and I'm thinking about what I'm gonna say in response to what they're saying. I'm ready, I'm putting the bullets in my verbal gun and I'm getting ready to just totally unleash on the person. I'm not listening to them at all. I'm thinking about how I'm gonna defend myself. You listen to hear their heart. Then your response will follow. Second, This is not about being right or wrong. James says this, I love the scripture. Be quick to listen, slow to move your lips and slow to get angry. Usually the moving of your mouth leads you to anger. Listen to hear their heart. Listen to hear the stuff that's below the surface, not just the issue. The last thing, take notes. Oh, fight not to interrupt and get emotionally charged. That's really important. Guys, I struggle with this. I really, really do. I'm, I, I'm a person. I'm an open book. What you see is what you get. I wear my feelings on my sleeves. That's just how God has made me. That's not an excuse though for me getting emotionally charged. It helps me understand the way I'm wired, but it gives me no excuse to get emotionally charged. I struggle with that. So if you have conflict with me, know that that's a struggle. Be gracious with me. The last thing is take notes. Oh, I don't take notes. Well, stop it. Take notes. Should be on there. Maybe not. Guess it's not on there. Take notes. Take notes because it helps you remember what they say so that you can go back and address it when it's your turn to speak. Brenda and Brent, would you come on up?
And so obviously you can see this is like drinking from a fire hose. You're gonna mess up, you're gonna interrupt, you're gonna flare emotions, it's gonna be difficult, but just have grace for one another and just try to walk yourselves through it by listening and pursuing to understand each other. Now, as a response, I'd like everyone to stand. We're gonna read through its scripture, and all I want you to do is read the words that are in yellow and make them the prayer of your heart as we forth on this weekend. It goes like this. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, here we go, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, we are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Father, we just lay this all at your feet. Whatever conflict is coming to mind in everyone's hearts and minds, I just pray that you would allow them, you would equip them, you'd guide them to handle conflict, communicate their heart, to process together in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.